Ladybird. Is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quote? Well, I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Okay. I want to go where culture is, like How New in the York, I raise such or at least snob. Connecticut or New Hampshire, where writers live in the woods. Get into those schools anyway. You give me a number for how much it costs to raise me, and I'm going to get older and make a lot of money and write you a check for what I owe you so that I never have to speak to you again. I was on top. Who the fuck is on top their first time? Thank you. I'm... Thank you. Welcome to a special bonus episode of The Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I am Tobin Addington. And I'm Islin Addington. And today we are going to talk about uh, a, a new movie. Well, new movie to us as we're recording, but mm-hmm. a, 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 a movie of 2017 and, and the award season this year. We're going to talk about Lady Bird. Lady Bird. I'm excited. And we should say we're recording this before the Golden Globes, before the SAG Awards, before the Oscars. We don't know how like award season is going to play out for this movie. And we might you might be hearing this after that's all happened. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you'll have to bear with us. We don't know how the bribes turned out. So we just don't know. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. I mean, Money's I'm still, in the mail. Yeah. Right. Well, that's why we're doing it now. Right. Because we want, <laughs> right, we right. want that paper. <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But we also thought it would be fun to do um, um, movies that are, are, are in the theaters or have recently been in the theater, not just sort of things that, that uh, you know, you can only find on DVD. Uh, although I guess this movie by the time, well, I don't know. I'm, well, I'm trailing off. And movies that are in contemporary conversations about women in film. That's a better way to say it. So, uh, so yeah, let's talk about Lady Bird. Please. Uh, Tobin, could you, from your film expertise perspective, give us a little background to this particular film? I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Bird is a film written and directed by an actress named Greta Gerwig. I call her an actress because she began her film career as an actor, uh, most known for um, the, the a bunch of sort of un- mumblecore indie movies uh, in the early 2000s. And for the lay listeners, can you uh, define mumblecore, please? I can try. Uh, <laughs> mumblecore, <laughs> mumblecore is a name given, and I think kind of in derision at first, but then embraced by by the filmmakers, um, to a group of films from the early 2000s that um, were made by young, sort of fresh out of college, usually uh, filmmakers on extremely low budgets, like maybe no budgets. Um, and, and they were called mumblecore because very often the sound recording quality was not very good and so it sounded like they were sort of mumbling through their lines also very often they were largely improvised the whole idea right. was to was to um capture more sort of spontaneity and real life quality to film and they're not all great uh, a lot of them are really bad uh, some of them are really good i think she was in both Mm-hmm. Agreed. Right. Right. And from my point of view, she stood out always. I mean, there was a there was a uninhibited quality to her. Right. Is that fair to say? I think so. I again, not not the expert on the um, 
movie history part of things, I thought when I hear mumblecore, I think more of the improvised nature than the technical. Right. right. Or I took it also as a, I don't know how to say exactly, like pre-millennial wandering. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And I, I know that the the generation experts are going to weigh in on who's a millennial and who's not. But I would consider them, it's sort of the pre, pre-Instagram millennials, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. No, no, no. Exactly. They're, very often the films would wrestle with the, the rise of social media as that was becoming a, a thing. Um, very often they would be – they were almost all um, young white men directors, mm-hmm. um, not, not, not exclusively. Exclusively, um, not exclusively jo- Joe Swanberg's. Oh, my gosh. See, I'm going to call her his wife. I can't do that. Chris um, Swanberg. Swanberg. Yeah, Chris. I knew her name was Chris. I was trying to remember what her name was before they were married because she was making films with him and on her own before they were married, I believe. Uh, apologies if I've gotten that wrong. But anyway, there were there were and there were certainly women involved. But it was a it was a real sort of sliver of sort of immediately post-college wanderlust. Right. Like, right. what are we going to do with our lives? A lot of ennui, a lot of, you know, the and, mid-20s and it was all- coming of age. Exactly. And it was all pre 2000, largely pre 2008 financial <laughs> crisis where, where things, you know, the, you could afford more ennui, I think maybe. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. So she's in a bunch of these, a bunch of these films. Um, she co-directs one of them, uh, Nights and Weekends with Joe Swanberg, uh, one of the sort of leading figures of the Mumblecore movement. And she begins working with uh, Noah Baumbach and co-writes Francis Ha with him, a movie that she stars in too, right? Yes. And then uh, wrote and directed this this movie. So this is sort of her her first outing without a co-writer or co-director in, in those two roles. Now, you have feelings about some of those movies that she's been in too, I believe. I do. Uh, in doing a little bit of prep for this, you know, I know Greta Gerwig. I've known who she was. Wait, you know her? <laughs> no. Uh-oh. I've known about her. I've been aware oh. of her. I have seen... Because I looked and I looked back. I have seen Francis Ha and Lola Versus, and I cannot mm-hmm. tell you which is which. You know, the breakups fuel the narrative, I want to say, of both. I Maybe I'm wrong with Lola, but I feel like, how about romantic misadventures? Yes, yes, fuel yes. That's a good both. one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with my life. It fuels both. I want, Or I know what I want to do, but I don't have the gumption to do it. And I just can't, can't tell you. I know I've also seen Hannah Takes the Stairs. I don't remember it at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nothing sort of resonated with me except in my digging and research. Do you know, Tobin, where we first saw her? No, I don't. Where did we first see her? A little web series called Young American Bodies. Oh, right. The Joe Swanberg series. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and folks who are listening, if you're looking for for a thoughtful commentary on 21st century relationships, and by that I mean a lot of TNA with some conversation in between, <laughs> check out this nugget from uh, the early 2000s because some of the buns from that are, you know, successful and famous now. Some are not, but they're all there. And, uh, and just, again, yeah. young American bodies. If you're if you're looking for something, but you're too shy to look for porn. Um, that would be a direction you could go. So that's that's where we first saw her, whether we remember it or not. 
I do remember her very distinctly from some of those movies, uh, and I remember her being a real presence. Um, there was something unpredictable about her. There was something sort of immediate about her performances, and I, yeah, she's someone that I was aware of. So she writes uh, the writes the script for Lady Bird. Uh, it's I've read a couple of places that. It, it took her a year to write it. I don't believe that at all. I think this is, I think she was working on this longer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, in ter- maybe, maybe from a from a first draft to the time she they started shooting, it was maybe a year, um, or maybe not. Maybe she did write it really quickly. It's it's often talked about as a semi autobiographical movie. Although she she you know claims that she was much more more of a sort of straight arrow in high school, and uh, that she and her mom did not have the kind of relationship um, or the, the, the Laurie Metcalf character who plays her mom does, it does not reflect how her mom behaved, but, but she did grow up in Sacramento and, and at this time period was sort of going through some of these same, same things. So the movie gets made independently for uh, $10 million, which is a, you know, a solid budget for a, for a tiny little indie movie. And it was certainly her, you know, the, the, the well, I guess her first film out all by herself. That's, that's impressive. Um, uh, the American distribution rights went to this great, Great company called A24 has made a bunch of really, really good movies or, or has released a bunch of really good movies, I should say. Things like Ex Machina and Room, which will, you know, which um, won an Oscar for, uh, I guess it didn't win an Oscar. Brie Larson Brie won Larson. her Oscar for, uh, which I thought was a wonderful movie. Just this year, they've got The Florida Project is another movie on the awards circuit that they are are behind. And then future contenders movies, uh, Laggies and Someday We'll Do 20th Century Women are, are also A24 movies. This, also however... Oh, yes, exactly. In 20th Century Women. Yeah. This movie, as of our recording in early January, has made 30 plus million dollars, which is the biggest box office for that company in its history, uh, which is which is pretty impressive. Absolutely. So this this comes uh, to some degree out of her experience and is it's not the first thing that she's that she's made, but it's the first time she's had total control or she's had um, total say over what the a narrative and the and the sort of filmmaking style is going to be. And that's uh, that's the history of Ladybird. Can we talk about some of the women involved? You, why don't you name some? You've already told us the writer and director. So writer Greta Gerwig, director Greta Gerwig. The lead actor is Saoirse Ronan. Uh, producer Evelyn O'Neill, and executive producer. Leela Yakob. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it could could, could be Lila, Lila, Lila Yakob, but I like Leela Yakub. Uh, <laughs> Do you want me to take that again? No, no, no. Leela slash Lila. <laughs> if we've mispronounced you, whichever one of us has mispronounced your name, uh, we apologize. <laughs> so many. I was so um, focused on Sersha that I. Yes, yes, as, as one as one does in this movie. Um, uh, so, uh, t- uh, what's the plot of this movie, Isla? That's a great question. In Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig reveals herself to be a bold new cinematic voice with her directorial debut, excavating both the humor and pathos in the turbulent bond between a mother and her teenage daughter. Christine Lady Bird McPherson, Saoirse Ronan, fights against but is exactly like her wildly loving, deeply opinionated and strong-willed mom, Lori Metcalf, a nurse working tirelessly to keep her family afloat after Lady Bird's father, Tracy Letts, loses his job. 
Set in Sacramento, California in 2002, amidst a rapidly shifting American economic landscape, Ladybird is an affecting look at the relationships that shape us, the beliefs that define us, and the unmatched beauty of a place called home. So, what'd you think of Ladybird? The first thing I have in my notes is I love Laurie Metcalf. Oh my gosh, she's so good. So good and yeah i feel like she has always been so good but i have not mm-hmm. always appreciated her right um we were not a a, a household that embraced roseanne the television program <laughs> by decree by decree uh and so it's not it wasn't until sort of being an adult and looking back at that show that i could appreciate her performance in that i have complex feelings about big bang theory And so, you know, it's not like I watch that religiously and and know her character well, but I've seen her on that. And while it is a caricature, she believes it, Mm -hmm. which is important. And then I've listened to a couple of interviews with her more about her stage work. And so I wish that I have seen that. I don't know the grammar of that sentence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) But so that's my first my first note is, I think, and and not to say that Saoirse isn't riveting as well, but I think the balance of the two is just beautiful. I totally agree. I have not seen any of Big Bang Theory. (laughs) I did not know she was involved in that show at all. I have, however, seen her on stage. Um, Yes. Back when I lived in New York, I saw her in a David Mamet play on Broadway and she was so, so good. This is a woman who as you say, totally commits to, mm-hmm. to these parts. Like she inhabits these roles and she's not afraid to, to seem unlikable, to, to, to seem um, uh, dirty is not the right word. I, I don't mean dirty in either the sort of physical or sexual <laughs> way, but there's a, there's a rough around the edges quality that she is able to sort of capture about characters while still making them extremely human. And you really needed an, an actor of that caliber to play a character like the mom in in this movie, she can't be irredeemable, right? Right. I think she balances, as you say, really well with with Sersha. I agree, and and that you empathize with her. I I think throughout because she is trying. Yes. And any you know coming of age sort of situation, their growing pains are just exhausting for all involved. And I think you see that exhaustion with them both. Yeah, exactly. They cannot find ways to communicate with one another. It's one of the themes of this movie is a sort of inadequacy of language and sort of character history, and like they just cannot get through to one another. Right. Uh, and maybe maybe it is because they're so alike, or maybe it's because they're so different. I think certain scenes sort of lead one way or the other. Uh, you know, there's a scene at the at the end of the movie, the, the, actually the last scene in the movie, uh, to jump way ahead. Sure. Um, the, the moment when Lady Bird reaches back out to her mom, mm-hmm. to, to Marion, and leaves her a, ma- a voicemail. And one of the subplots of the movie has been that uh, Lady Bird has, <laughs> has never gotten her driver's license. And she finally does before she moves to, to New York for college, where, of course, she won't need a driver's license. <laughs> uh, but she calls her mom back and has this leaves her this message about driving through Sacramento, this town that she has just like torn up all through the movie. Like she, she seems to really can't wait to get out of Sacramento. Like she hates this place. And then she leaves her mama's voicemail about how she felt driving through it the, the first time by herself. And, and the movie then cuts back and forth between her flashback of her driving and the flashback of her mom of Marion driving in the same places in kind of the same position on screen. And it just, the movie then is, is linking them in the same way that they are, or that they seem to be in her mind. 
But that's as close as it ever gets, to my mind, to making them sound very similar. I mean, they're both strong-willed, I guess, right? I agree. That that was something that I bumped on a bit in the plot summary that I gave was that I didn't I didn't see them as identical in that in that way. So we did we moved all the way to her graduation. Can we go back yes, to high sorry. school for oh, a minute? Yes, of course, of course, please. <laughs> yes. So what I thought was captured very nicely both in the the background and the and the physical nature of it, but also of course in the in the sort of performances were the high school as this very mundane environment, but also uh-huh. so, so special. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? We're going to put on a play and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> or, you know, I have a boyfriend and it's my whole world or whatever relationship. I have a relationship and it's, you know, it has changed me as a human. And what are, what are your future plans? And, you know, you're just a shooting star waiting to take off. And everything is so profound and also mm, right. entirely mundane. And I, I... I don't know that I felt that at the time because I don't think you feel like everything is so, so special in a false way when you're that age. But I, in looking back, I feel like I had that, you know, you're the star of your own reality show before (laughs) there were reality shows (laughs) and everything is so meaningful. And, and I sort of loved that about it. Also that it was, you know, it had a a realism that Mm -hmm. I appreciated and, and, the folks listening may not know. I do have a love for high school films and books. And yes, you do. I just, I don't know why. I just love it. But it goes from, you know, the very glossy, you know, your um, She's All That's, your Can't Hardly Waits, your, you know, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, though I love Buffy. That's all just sort of this hyper, all the cool mm-hmm. kids, all the pretty kids mm-hmm. to your more my so-called life, your perks of being a wallflower, you know, you're less, less glossy. Um, and, and I liked this in, in its less glossy form. Yeah. And that's something that Greta Gerwig has talked about in terms of uh, wanting to sort of Growing up loving, uh, as you do, high school movies and, and you're, you know, thinking back to the John Hughes movies, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles and, and that loving those movies but saying, this doesn't feel like what it felt like to me. Like, it didn't feel like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this feels like – those feel like more idealized versions. And she's wanting to if, – if this movie does anything, it strips away the idealization of that time, right? Because high school is a pivotal moment in someone's – uh, life, your adolescence is pivotal, but you're aware of that. So it feels like every decision feels pivotal. And it's usually the stuff that I think in my experience in real life, it was the stuff that didn't seem pivotal at the time that turns out to be pivotal later on. And that's something I think this movie gets right, that it's the wrestling with her mom that's pivotal. Mm, it's not necessarily the boy she's with or even even what she goes through with her with her best friend. I see that. I was going to ask you for an example and then you gave me one. <laughs> yeah, and it's a pitfall of the genre too, right? Anytime a movie's going to take on high school, how do you honor how it feels to the characters without them feeling um, like <laughs> without without alienating the audience, right? Like, is the movie holding her up in some way as, as an as an ideal? I think in the way that she learns lessons, I think that sort of keeps her grounded because I well I, I don't know tell me if this answers your question when I went into it I was ready to roll my eyes at this character you know yes. left right and center yes. and there are moments when I do but it's so like even her 
posturing is so pure that uh-huh. I, I I went with it, right? Like I would have, had I known her, I would have called her Ladybird too, right? <laughs> yes, and, yes, right. And with right. a lot of people, I wouldn't go on that flight of fancy with them. So I don't, I don't think idealized is a word. It's not a word I would use to describe her. Right, right. And the yearning is so true. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like from from friendships to relationships to moving out of Sacramento, like you mentioned, it's just so, so true and so pure that I think that puts you on her side, even as you watch her make mistakes. But maybe that's maybe I'm giving it too much credit. No, I don't think so. I think it is compassionate to her. I think I think it is. I think, you know, this is a for my money, a a deeply human and humane film. Mm -hmm. There's not a character. All all the characters who in other versions of this movie could so easily come off as a as a caricature, whether it's the mom who's always nagging on her. We should say that this their relationship is not a pleasant one. There's a a great scene that's in the trailer where they're shopping for a dress. That just, that to me, just crystallizes their relationship. You're not going to a funeral. Well, I don't know. What says rich people Thanksgiving? I just think it's such a shame that you're spending your last Thanksgiving with a family you've never met instead of us. But I don't know. I guess you want it that way. Are you tired? No. Hey, Marion. Hey, Joyce. Hey, how's the baby? He's crying. No, I want to see a picture at checkout. Okay. Okay. So if you're tired, we can sit down. I'm not tired. Oh, okay. I just couldn't tell because you were dragging your feet. Well, I just couldn't tell. Why didn't you just say pick up your feet? I didn't know if you were tired. You were being passive aggressive. No, I wasn't. You are so infuriated. Please stop yelling. I'm not yelling. Oh, it's Honey, perfect. I love it. They, they vacillate so quickly between sort of aiming at one another and then uh, sort of finding common ground. And I think that really captures their their um, uh, relationship. And I, I would just add their relationship in that moment, right? In the, mo- in the moment of this film. I don't think it crystallizes their relationship, but I think what they're going through, I can recall any number of people, particularly in that first year of high school and the last year of high school, uh-huh. going through those <laughs> kinds of periods, right? It's the sure. transitions either way. And so that, um, that felt authentic to my experience. Yes. Yeah. And yes, com- I think compassion for the character you had said. And that was, that was, that's one thing that to me shifts this character rather than the characters in a couple of the other Gerwig projects. And, and I don't know if it's because of her helmspersonship. Is that a word? Helmsmanship? I, no, I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> um, because let's say, you know, with Francis or with Lola, I also watched the trailer for Mistress America. Part of what was a little extra for me in, in those was not being able to tell if the main, if they knew the main characters were annoying, if the main characters were supposed to be annoying. Uh-huh. Right, and right. I, I am all for characters being difficult to like or being unlikable, especially right. female characters. But I just felt like they were winking at me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. In those, and, and, and I did not feel that. I did not feel like Lady yeah. Bird was winking at me at all. That is such a great point. These characters and all of them, the, the the depressed dad who has all these other sort of layers to him, all the the her first first boyfriend who seems perfect and turns out to be perfect, but also gay. But mm-hmm. and so therefore not perfect as a boyfriend. And, you know, the, there's a great heartbreaking scene where he comes to, to see her after she's discovered that he's 
gay, but he's not out. And they, they go to this Catholic school and that's clearly his family's very important to him. And they, they, it seems from all appearances have, or, or, or we, we infer that he is terrified of coming out for all kinds of reasons. And he just, he just begs her not to tell anybody and then collapses on her crying. And it's just, it's a beautiful, a beautiful scene. And all of these, all of, none of these scenes are played I don't think they're played for irony, right? There's some irony right. in that in that there's the film acknowledges that that this is a particular moment in these kids' lives or these characters' lives and they're and they're gonna move past this one way or another, you know? Mm-hmm. And that they're and that they are in adolescence and that, that and yet the, it doesn't seem to judge them for for that. And it's not winking at them, it's sort of watching with us, I think. I would agree. And and even with notions that we might think of as trite or expected, you know, the accidental gay boyfriend or the anarchist poet, you know, bad boy or what have you, I still found something charming about those because I, whether it's, you know, cliches have a nugget of truth or tend to that, that, you know, those experiences, while they can be they can come off as cliched, our folks experience. You know, there is a lot of changing identities throughout adolescence sort of thing. So you mm-hmm. may have had a, you know, clove cigarette poet bad boy stage that, that you know, that, that could be entirely true. And so I give some, I don't know, I gave latitude with some of the things that I might have under other circumstances or in other films would have chalked up to just, you know, stereotype and cliche. There is something that bothers me a little bit. Tell me. Tell me. And it has to do with more with reactions than the film itself. Mm, mm -hmm. So I love the representation of, you know, a young woman who's in charge of her story and telling these these types of uh, types of stories because I think they do resonate so well. These small stories, if you will. Yeah. But I hate it when particularly female characters' experiences are so revelatory for general public, if that makes sense. Tell me more. How do you mean? So when something very simple, very true to life or normal, I put that in quotes, is a real eye-opener for people, that bothers me. And it just bothers me. So it happened with, I remember it very specifically with the movie 13, Mm -hmm. which, you know, not arguing the... Anything. The of. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. That film <laughs> currently we right. could. Well, someday maybe. Yeah. Someday, but uh, you know, going to that, it, it, every piece of it made sense in some way. Like I was not shocked or surprised, or or also putting it up on a pedestal of like, look at what we've uncovered. <laughs> yes. Uh huh. I get you. Know? you. And and yeah. and I don't. I don't think it's exactly the same in this case, but I think there's a little bit of that. Like, who knew such an ordinary girl could be so compelling? It's like, well, I did. Yeah. But that, I mean, that. So that's a, that's a pet peeve. This is Iceland's pet peeve corner. That's my pet peeve. That pivots to something that because I've had a couple, not arguments, but I've had a couple discussions with people about this movie and uh, who both sets of, of couples that I was talking to happen to have seen this and three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Yes. Which I have not seen. Someday we, we will maybe get to that movie as well. But for all these people coming from that movie to this one or this one to that one in, in rapid succession, they were sort of dogging this movie for being slight. 
for being mm. thin, for being ephemeral, for being not for not really being about much, quote unquote. And I think that uh, that which 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 annoyed me, yeah, <laughs> um, because I think that it points to a couple of things. One, this idea that lightness is a crime. Mm-hmm. That that which is I, th- I think a thing that gets reinforced often through as we move into award season. This is gonna gonna come up. This is gonna be a knock against this movie that you know this is it isn't about um, you know something uh, is not about the Holocaust. It's not about right. um, World War II. It's not about um, what are other big awards things. It's not about incest or uh, <laughs> you know or or um, major violence of any kind. Right, psychic right. Or, or or I guess maybe there is some psychic violence in this movie. <laughs> But but you know what I mean? Like it's not it's not a heavy movie. And so I think it gets marked down for that, which bugs me. Yeah, that would bug me, too, especially if we are talking about the context of wards. Then, you know, what the heck do you do with La La Land? <laughs> yes. Which right. is, you know, right. so light it flew away after I saw it and I forgot it. <laughs> oh, except right. that, you know, a white boy saved jazz. But that's that a great. conversation for another time. Yes, and maybe a different podcast um, <laughs> <laughs> that I won't be on. I was just going to say, oh, because uh, you like La La Land or because you're white? No, I don't. I don't. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. The, the other thing I think that it gets to is that coming into this and, and I and I, I don't mean to diagnose these people because I love these people I was talking to. <laughs> and, and, really and some really of them do. may be listening. <laughs> and, and some of them will because I'm going to send this episode to them to help explain why I like this movie so much. I think that it also has to do with coming of age movies have usually I'm talking about mainstream coming of age movies which so often are from a sort of male dominated point of view. Mm-hmm. Very often they have a male main character who's usually trying to lose their virginity <laughs> and i love american pie you know what i mean like I, don't get me wrong like i have long history with that with that movie but they're very often and, and this goes you know this goes back to the john hughes movies too or the movies in the 80s or that they're very often wish fulfillment for for a dude mm-hmm. um and that th- this movie's not that. This movie is not interested in fulfilling your wishes. This movie's not interested in sort of giving you a sort of super funny or super dark or super serious or super like uh, stylized look at a high school experience that you maybe didn't have but could sort of squint and imagine that you had. This movie in looking at what's different between this movie and, and many of these other movies, there's something about um, I feel like I people have internalized something that makes them think lesser of a movie that's looking into this young woman's experience that it doesn't it doesn't have to be about this girl who climbed Everest. It can be about this young woman who is finding her way through her senior year of high school and navigating these relationships, relationships with her mother and her father and her brothers and these young men and her best friend. Like I, I just it, it seems to me that some people are dismissive of the movie for reasons that I think aren't fair to sort of what the movie is actually interested in. It sounds like there is a, a conflict there with what the movie is interested in and what the viewers of the movie are interested in. Yeah, I also I also think it's hype. I think that um, you know the movie has gotten you know she won it was the New York Film Critics Circle. I think gave her best director. Okay, it's getting all this hype. So people go in hearing from other people. You have to see this movie. It's like it's going to change your life. It's the best thing ever. Which is a terrible way to go into any movie. Right. And and for the record, I don't feel that way. 
I mean, I love it, but it didn't, you know, it's not um, transformative for me. Right. And it wouldn't have, like, movies don't have to be. I don't, you know, like this movie less because it didn't transform my life. That's like extra sauce, right? That's like the movies that you love to your core that, like, change you as a human being. And this this movie does not have to be that to be great, at least to be very good and Mm -hmm. worth considering as cinema, not just, oh, another sort of teen comedy. Right. Which I yeah, I don't think it is. And I, I, I hope that we haven't or that I haven't misled people by referencing high school movies, because I don't think of this as a high school movie necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is more like a character study, right? Mm-hmm. And speaking of character, I have a not a, a question, but something that I was forced to think about only a few years ago when I for, I, for the first time that I can remember, hated a movie and loved a performance in it. Ooh, yeah. And so that I started thinking about when we were talking about when we were going to talk about this movie, that something I wanted to do, particularly with this list of films, because we are talking about them sometimes both because of the content and because of the performances. Mm -hmm. But so in this case, I sat back and thought like, well, wait, which is it? Because Saoirse Ronan is great, right? She eats this part for breakfast. Laurie Metcalf. Outstanding. Amazing. The Hedges Boy. The um, Beanie Bernstein, who's Jonah Hill's sister. Yes. Yes. A delight. Yes. So I really then had to like in my brain, pull it apart and think, okay, performance and then content. And in both cases, they do get a thumbs up for me. And I don't think that will always be true in our discussions. I totally agree. This is a movie that is more sophisticated in the way it was made than it appears. That's what gets me. I think about. Look at that. Say that again. (laughs) I I can't. I could replay it when I edit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Which is what bugs me about people's implicit bias that lightness is easier than darkness. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's true. The fact that this movie is as episodic as it is, right? Like we move from scene to scene to scene, and it balances kind of. There's some slapstick moments. There's Mm -hmm. some sort of screwball comedy moments. And it moves at a real brisk pace. One of the things that it never does, to my mind, is unmoor you. Like, I'm always tracking Lady Bird, both sort of emotionally and literally. They use the, not only like the school calendar year, but but the sacraments of, uh, of a, a year in Catholicism mm-hmm. to move us through time. Uh, you know, when it's Ash Wednesday, all of a sudden, all you need to do is sort of see them getting the ash on their forehead and you know where you are, right? The cast that comes off her. Well, we, we, know, we know where they are. Well, uh, yes, yes. Because yes, yeah, we true. grew up observing <laughs> grew up that, that particular yeah. sacrament. <laughs> yeah, um, true. But nevertheless, like if you think back to – your if one thinks back to one senior year of high school, this is kind of how it feels, right? Like you 100%. remember the the arcs and the a moment here and a and a, a a thing there. You don't remember it in in sort of traditional a more traditional kind of structure, right? Agreed. I wanted to ask you what you thought of Lady Bird versus Christine and and that journey within the the larger journey. You mean in terms of which identity she's taking? Yes. Hmm. Or if you had thoughts. Wow, wow. It sounds like you have thoughts. So I'm really curious. It feels like at the when she goes to college, which is a section I want to talk about later, she goes to college and they ask her who she is and she tries out Christine, which is her mm-hmm. the name given to her by her parents, not given to her by herself. By herself. <laughs> it, it, it really feels like she's trying it out, doesn't it? What's your name? Christine. My name is Christine. Okay. I'm David. You shake. <laughs> I shake. Yeah, I, I agree too. I thought that I thought that's what I thought when she says it to that guy. 
he sort of teed her up to say something interesting. Yes, yes, right? yes, yes. What's your name? Right. Ladybird. Oh, what are you talking about? Blah, blah. And so to me, it would, that was a, a pivot I hadn't expected. Uh-huh. And then that kind of let me, that let her grow up a tiny bit in my mind. And then she wakes up in the ER, but <laughs> so maybe not, but it, it moved her forward. And I, I hadn't expected her to grow in that way, which is not to say she couldn't have grown up and legally changed her name and been Ladybird forever. But I liked it how it made me rethink kind of what I thought she was doing. Hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. It, it feels like, you know, it feels to me like she might go back to be a ladybird like we don't know you know mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. she's at a point now where she's not using it as a sort of armor she's not using it as a as a sort of not a not quite weapon it's not quite the right word not a, not as a tool to distinguish herself she's going to try out this other name like how does this feel you know yeah i think tool to distinguish herself is is better than armor or the first thing you said what did you say weapon weapon i don't in my interpretation it was neither of those things yeah. <laughs> um, to me, it was a, it was a, an I'm special flag. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, yeah. I, or a I, like yeah, me I flag or, a, you know. Right. right. Okay. What did you want to talk about? Oh, the ending, like the last oh. segment of the movie when she goes to college. I wondered what you thought of that sort of whole coda to the movie. I It was, it was a coda. I sort of expected it to end with her reading her mom's note. So her mom tries to write her a letter and keeps starting over and starting over. And as I understand, unbeknownst to Marion, the dad finds the drafts and, and puts them in her suitcase. She was worried that there would be errors or mistakes or something that you'd uh, judge her writing abilities. I wouldn't do that. I thought you should have them. But I want you to know how much she loves you, but also don't tell her I salvaged them, okay? Okay. So, right. you know, when you talked about them, sort of the best they could do to connect by the end was one-way communication on both sides. Right, right. So the, so the mom is speaking to her in a way she wasn't able to speak to her before, and then she leaves the message, starts speaking to her mother in a way she wasn't able to before. So I thought it was going to end there. And then, and then when she's at the party and the guy says, what's your name? And she says, Christine, I thought it was going to end there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then she, you know, underestimates her tolerances. And what broke my heart was when the mom won't go into the airport. Yes. Oh, that, yes, yes, yes. I couldn't even with that. And then she does, but she doesn't see her. Right. Right. She's already gone she's through already security. Gone. Yep. And, and so the dad is still and again, this kind of middle this bridge. Yeah. The peacemaker uh, bridge and translator sometimes, whether, yeah, yeah, whether yeah. well or not, whether true or not for, for both sides. So the, anything, you know, the ER and then the walking past Catholic church were both. Yes. <laughs> sort of bonies for me. Bonuses. Excuse me. We say bonies. And that, that also felt true for me as someone who, as myself, as someone who I would consider myself culturally Catholic which uh -huh. people don't really say, but if you can <laughs> <We> be <do. laughs> culturally Jewish, culturally Muslim, I think I'm culturally Catholic, but yeah, uh, perhaps yeah. that's for another podcast as well. <laughs> Please, Twitter, tell me why I'm wrong. But, um, you know, it's so ritualistic and routinized and all those things. And going to a Catholic high school, that was in her daily life. So right. being completely unhinged 
in this new world and having made mistakes already, it made complete sense to me that she would gravitate toward in some way that which is familiar. And that kind of, I think that sort of led to that breakthrough in the message a little bit. So I liked it, although it was a surprise because I thought the movie was over. It's always a dangerous thing when a movie goes four steps past what could have been or maybe should have been the ending, which because it also could have ended as she's looking out the the plane as she flies away. That could right, have been the end. Because that was too. the goal. I mean, that was her yeah, yeah. stated goal, right? Right. right. Get out. And while we all sort of knew that she had hidden affection for Sacramento. Yeah. I didn't know there was there was gonna be more after that fulfillment of that wish for her. But yeah. I I liked it because I, I do appreciate the the description that you described earlier of the drive through Sacramento and that many of those shots were things we had already seen too. So like yeah. we were remembering them with with right. both Ladybird and her mother. Right. And they were being recontextualized by everything that had happened between then and now in the film, just as they were for, for Ladybird. Hey mom. Did you feel emotional the first time that you drove in Sacramento? I did, and I wanted to tell you, but we weren't really talking when it happened. All those bends I've known my whole life, and stores, and the whole thing. I don't love that we go to New York. I like where it gets us. I like I like mm-hmm. the uh, where it, where it lands, and I do think it's kind of uh, you know I prefer it to the a movie that would end with her just leaving on the plane. I, I do think that you know some people have made the have charged that the movie wraps up a little too neatly, and I do, I don't think that's true. I, I think you, what the way you said it is really true that that they're unable to communicate with one another. Like they 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 do not have a reconciling at the end of this movie. They don't actually talk to one another as you. No. Say the mom deliberately doesn't give her the letter, doesn't get out of the car to give her a hug on the way out of the, like on, on the way to the plane until she tries, you know, then a few minutes later. And they don't have a, a reconciliation. I was gonna say, I yeah, think, they, they have not reconciled. They've each taken a, a step. Right. Exactly. That we, that we leave them. She hasn't exactly. come back around. And, and I know not everyone does. Family situations are different, but I think there is a an orbit of in adolescence where you go way out and you're just so far away, and then you circle back. And she has not circled back yes. yet. She's no, had no, no. a rough weekend. <laughs> right, 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 right. She's 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 looking back and saying, "Oh, maybe someday I'll circle back to there." <laughs> right. Well, and when you said the episodic nature sort of is like remembering your own high school experience or your own coming of age experience in. And right. how, you know, the holidays and the time passing and things are, are what mark that. I think the same is sort of true with the argument of it wraps up too nicely. I, I don't think it does. But I think, again, when you remember something and you tell a story of what you're remembering, it's going to have the highs and the lows and then it's going to have a conclusion. So this is, again, in that memory sort of way, a nice place to end this story or this chapter. But it's not, you know, nothing is I don't I didn't find it overly resolved personally. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I just I think that's it's such a sophisticated way to end this movie. You know, nine out of 10 other movies are going to end with and I thought this was where it was headed. And I think I would have been fine with it where the mom runs back into the airport. Marion runs back into the airport and and is going to catch her right at the gate. And they have some big funny half. Right. Some big hug and some kind of half funny. And and what I love, love, love about this movie is that this indicates to me that their relationship might actually continue to be something like this forever. And that (laughs) that 
and that what they've what they've discovered is that they they're going to find ways to to sort of live like live in each other's lives to respect each other and and sort of they're going to find a way to communicate even if it's they're never going to be the way that most of or that a lot of these kinds of movies end which is some kind of sort of perfect bow on the end of this chapter of your life and then you, you it's all clean and it's clear and it's all those conflicts are resolved and you move on to the next part of your life mm-hmm. and that's not what life is like when you come back you step back into some new version of the old relationships that you had mm-hmm. and the movie acknowledges that and that I think is not again that's not light that's actually a pretty heavy thing yeah. that's something that that you know, the, and that the movie's able to do without sort of underlining. Um, and I, I think that was that was really impressive. I have to talk about one thing I didn't like because I've been sort of gushing about this, <laughs> about this movie. There are times for me where the comedy goes a little broad. Oh, no, broad's not quite the right way to say it. Where, where she where she does underline a joke that I don't think needed to be underlined that doesn't feel like it's coming coming out of the characters. This movie is best when the characters are operating completely out of their own selves, out of their own instincts, out of who they are, which happens almost all the time. There's one one part in particular. Sorry, you're you're wanting to interrupt me. I can hear you. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, could you give me an example? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I can. I was trying to co-host with you. <laughs> sorry. I get on a roll and I just sort of Yeah, sorry. There's a scene where her brother is who lives at at the house with the mom and dad and ladybird and also and with his the brother's girlfriend. girlfriend right and they both have uh, at the beginning of the movie they're they're um have many piercings and they're sort of punkish you know like they're they're rebels you know what i mean like they're signifying their rebellion in in some kind of way and yet they're also sort of disdainful of her <laughs> rebellion mm-hmm. she makes some comment to him about you know you're never going to get a job with all that stuff in your face and and then it cuts to him and he sort of like pauses and turns and thinks to himself and touches his piercings and i'm like ah I didn't really need like that didn't feel real to him. Hmm. Like this is not the, this is not the moment where he realized this. Like maybe it's the moment where it where it got to him in some way, but it just felt a little cartoony in that moment. And then and then also with the brother, there's a moment. Uh, another thing this movie does really really well is it cuts away from Ladybird sometimes to give us just a moment with another character. You see a scene between the mom and Ladybird's high school drama teacher at the psychiatric facility where. Uh, Marion works and it's this beautiful little scene between these two these two great actors these two great characters and they reference Lady Bird but it's not like tied to her plot it's about Marion's character and do you have a support system? what do you mean? who do you turn to when you feel this way? no one I guess I'm sorry No, don't be sorry. There's no wrong answer. Please don't tell your daughter. No, of course not. Of course not. And you get a similar one, which I love, where the dad, uh, her dad, is, uh, who's played by Tracy Letts, is really, really great in this movie, like everybody else. And he is uh, interviewing for a job that it's pretty clear he's not going to get. He's been laid off and spends most of the movie like – playing solitaire on the computer and not having a job. And then he, and then, and then she's there with him after he walks out of the interview and they walk down the hall and they run into her brother who's coming to interview for the same job. That to me felt a little, a little too tidy. I agree. I didn't like that at all. I mean, I liked the way once that decision was made that 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 was going to be something they were going to do. I liked the way the dad reacted to it. And yes, yes. I did like just because it annoyed me that the 
brother and the girlfriend were sort of also spiraling in a way. You know, it seemed, you know, that everybody was sort yeah. of losing it except poor Marion, who's working all the shifts and, and all that to contribute. So I just out of my own, like, come on, dude, get it together. I'm glad that he did find a job, but I didn't think it needed to be that. I mean, I think you could have done it in another way that the dad was looking in the newspaper for or online, depending 2002. Yeah, the dad was looking online sure, for jobs and, you know, then leaves the paper or the computer and then the son starts looking and and through his dad's search still finds a job in his field, right. but not the exact right. one. That was just a little that is, to me, it started another conversation that I just didn't have room for. Yeah, it, feel, it just felt sort of too neat for this movie that's not sort of prided itself on, on neatness, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or prided itself on not not neatness. It just felt a little a little like movie to me. Yeah, a little. Oh, it's a small, small world. Right, right. Would you like to play a game with me? Yeah, I want to play a game with you. Okay, this is called Yay or Nay High School Edition. So it's like Never Have I Ever, but it's less okay, confusing okay. because there are not double negatives in it. Okay. Okay. So think back to <laughs> your high school experience, my high school experience. Okay. And I've taken some things that happen in this movie. Yep. And you're going to say yay or nay if that experience, you know, pertains to your high school life. And you've sent these to me, but I have not read them and I'm not going Love to read it. them. I okay. Just, I think this is better. This is better live, I think. Great. And they're written in first person, but you understand yeah, yeah. I'm speaking to you. <laughs> okay. I think so. <laughs> so in high school, dot, 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 I got in fights with my parents regarding the cleanliness of my room or belongings. Is that yay or nay for you? Nay. Me, 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 me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you still, you still get in. <laughs> no, I guess not so much anymore. Yeah. No, we don't get no, no. in fights. But, um, no. yeah, no, I have a, a mess. So here's, can I, now that you've like outed me, let me be clear. Yes. <laughs> I am I am untidy, but I'm not dirty. There's a difference. I have high standards for like hygiene and you know the cleanliness of things around me. But yes. do my clothes spend a little bit of time on the floor before they get hung back up? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. Didn't you ever go to sleep without putting all your clothes away perfectly, like even once? And don't you wish your mom hadn't gotten angry? Okay. Um, in no, high school. No judgments here. No judgments here. I just, I, <laughs> not a thing I ever had to fight about. Uh, one parent um, explained or tried to explain the other parent to me. Oh, yay. Of course. <laughs> of course. You too. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? As both our parents are listening, they can hash that yes. one out. The- hi, mom. Um, hi, dad. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. <laughs> uh, in high school, I dated someone whose sexual orientation ended up not lining up with mine. Yay or nay, Oh, yeah. Yay. Yeah. Yay, definitely. Yeah, several times. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would agree. I can yay that one a couple times as well. Uh-huh. Sometimes not knowing, sometimes knowing, but that's a... Wow. Okay. That's for that's another a- time. <laughs> yes. Uh, ran for school office in high school, yay or nay? Nay, although I ran someone's campaign once and she did not win. Excellent. I That's yay for me. I ran unsuccessfully. <laughs> but I am senior class vice president. Who would not vote for you for senior class vice president? <laughs> That's a great question. It's an important question. <laughs> I don't know. Shame on you if you're out there listening to this and didn't and didn't vote. There were cool, or didn't vote for her. cooler kids running. 
But I super appreciated um, Lady Bird's thrown together posters. Yes. As yes. my posters had a picture of my tattoo on them to prove that I was creative and innovative and cool. And that is that is a regret I'm going to die with on that because it it was a it is a, a lower back tattoo as you do in the in the, in the year 2002. <laughs> Yes, I think you know. I think that you should get a tattoo of the posters from Lady Bird somewhere on oh your body. Gosh, yes, that would Just be to complete the circle really there. It. Yeah, I do have a school office on my transcript from high school because I was appointed to junior class vice president when the girl who won stopped participating. So <laughs> it's a lose win on That's that amazing. one. To me. Okay, in high school, I spent some significant holiday with someone else's family. Yeah, your name. Uh, does uh, junior high count? I went to Thanksgiving once uh, in, many, in Minneapolis. You did. Uh, we'll take it. Maybe like fifth grade or whatever that was. Yeah, my, my no, first time. No, it was older myself. than Wait. that because we were in the new house. So yeah, no, you're right. It was old. So it was high school then. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's a name for oh, me. Right. Not that I can remember. Yeah. But that's it. You know, and it, I think another time where you really sort of feel the mom's anguish in this oh, movie totally. is when she wants to be somewhere else. And it's a great scene where the not sister-in-law, but the Ladybird's brother's girlfriend has a little moment with her where she's like, "Your mom, like, she's actually really cool, and you're you're being kind of a a jerk to her." Your mom is really sad you weren't here tonight for Thanksgiving. Yeah, well, she hates me. She has a big heart, your mom. She took me in after my parents freaked out about. Whatever, premarital sex. I admire her. Which is something that is diff- very difficult to hear at that age. Or, oh, totally. Or, or impossible to listen to. You might hear it, but you, you can't listen to it. And probably the best person in the movie to give her that advice is that person in that moment. Yeah. Okay, in high school, I had a less than helpful encounter with a school counselor. Oh, yay. Yay. You? I mean, I switched halfway through. So in the second half, nay, they were all they were all good. OK, so had a romantic encounter that could only be described as unspecial as the bad boy in, in Lady Bird says, you're going to have a lot have a lot of unspecial times. Yes. Yes, I think yay. that's true for everybody. Yay. I think that's got to be if it's mm-hmm. not someone if it's not your lying or and perhaps in um, smartly didn't have a romantic encounter in high school. <laughs> or you are what's unspecial and you just don't know. Yes. Right. More likely. Yeah. Um, in high school, I got drunk or high and then went home and tried to act casual about it. Nay. Nay. Right. Because we're good nerds. <laughs> in high school, I appeared in multiple theatrical productions, school sponsored or otherwise. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Could be another reason we like this movie. <laughs> hey, and I got into my first production the same way you got into now I can't remember what you were talking Student about. Government. Yes, yes, yes. By because someone dropped out and I got sort of tossed into a into a role. Isn't there something about like whatever percent of success is showing up? Yeah. Right. right. There we and were waiting in the wings. Showing up. In high school I lied in order to hang out with the cool kids. Oh, that's a that's a hair splitter there. I'm going to say yay. And I'm going to say no. Ooh. Because I don't think I was stealthy enough to do that and 
as we know, by, you know, mid-sophomore year, I was rising in the ranks to become the queen of the band nerds. <laughs> Which was a big deal in our school. It was. Thank you. Thank you for that um, uh, affirmation. Yeah. It was. It's true. It's true. And I, wor- I worked hard and, um, and I was fine with my little pond because I was on top, so to speak. Yeah. There may have been young ladies that I thought were cool that I was less than forthcoming about my <laughs> about <laughs> to, your what? To, to other to others about where I was going to be, <laughs> for instance. Oh, so I, I was, I I was kind of counting that. Yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's, I'm waiting for the statute of limitations to run out on a couple of things <laughs> before yep, I can yep, speak. Yep. Um, I am younger than you. Okay. And finally, in high school, I was accused of needing to be the center of attention. Uh, no, nay. That is a nay for me too in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I was accused of it once in graduate school, to which I replied, I don't try, it just happens. <laughs> Yeah, I, I not never accused to my face, but uh, I suppose I don't always know. Folks who know Tobin, join us on Twitter for a discussion of whether or not Tobin <laughs> needs to be a or students for that matter. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, indeed. Well, thanks for playing my game. Yeah, I like that game. It's a good game. It's a good game. We'll we'll play it another time with another topic. You are the doctor of the games. <gasps> I like that. Now we have to decide if we think that uh, Lady Bird is progressive or regressive. Is this a movie a step forward or a step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? Aislinn, what say you? I say progressive. I say step forward. I think looking at uh, Greta Gerwig's career, I think it's 100% a step forward in that, you know, she is credited as writer and director and that it has been so successful. It it is in Mm -hmm. a year where the top three films are women led and that's has not happened. It's my, my reading is there's an argument about how long it has happened because we weren't keeping track, blah, 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 blah. But it's never <laughs> happened. <laughs> it's well, never, not like this, not like not this. Like, there you go. So yeah, not like this. And so I excited that it is, it is on that list of three. I don't, there's no part of me that's like, Oh, we have to put it on the list. Like, no, hundred percent. It's great. Yeah, I think so. I don't need to make any other arguments. What, what do you say? Oh, absolutely progressive. I, th- I think that this this movie is a step forward, at, just as you say, for a female writer-director to make a sort of a breakout hit, which is a thing obviously that's happened before, but to do so with a movie that is as personal and whole to her own vision as this is, and to present a character who, as she has said, is like is not afraid to want things and is not afraid to not wanting people to look at her, but to want to be the person sort of doing the looking and the acting and the doing. Um, I think that that's all fantastic. There will for sure be young women filmmakers, maybe even kids in high school who, are, who haven't you know really thought about this, looking at this movie and saying, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely true. And it's so good. She, Greta Gerwig has said in interviews as she's listed off women filmmakers who've come before her, everyone from Agnes Varda to talking about Catherine Bigelow winning the Oscar for directing The Hurt Locker and realizing in that moment that like, oh, this is a job that's like open to you. This is a thing that can happen. And so the the fact that it's a movie that sticks by its guns so well and that is so well made and that gets to be as just as light as it wants to be, I think is a big step forward. Well said. (laughs) 
So everybody should go watch Lady Bird. Aizen, where can people find you if they want to come uh, come talk to you <laughs> about your about your high school uh, live? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Talking about your high school experiences. That's true. Um, so I have a Twitter. I don't use it very often. But she's going to get better at it. But I'm going to get better at it. I'm just so old. So at Twitter, I'm Sassy Nerd MT because we are from Montana. So Sassy Nerd MT indeed. is my Twitter. Period. <laughs> Where can people find you, Toby? You should have gone first and then I would have been better at it. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Tobin Addington, all one word. And you can find us at Facebook.com slash The Contenders Pod or on Twitter at Contenders underscore pod. Get in touch. Tell us what movies you'd like to see in the future. Tell us what you thought of Lady Bird. Let us know. Like, join the conversation. We here at The Contenders are proud members of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all those great shows, things like uh, Cage Club and Keanu Club and Cinemakers, uh, Boyfriend Material, which is about Ryan Gosling movies, Watch the Theron about about Charlize Theron or Theron, however we're going to pronounce that. Uh, now and again, all these great shows. Go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub and follow us at Cage Club Pod on Twitter. You can subscribe to all the shows on the network on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a glowing review. Well, at least leave me a glowing review. <laughs> uh, it helps us spread the word about our show. And if you leave us a gem in the comments, a real juicy nugget, we might just read it on the upcoming show. I'm Aislinn Addington. And I'm Tobin Addington. And we'll see you next time on The Contenders. Yeah. Uh, uh, go ahead. Nothing. I was gonna say. <laughs> I know it's hard. It's hard to interrupt you. Um, I mean, it's hard to interrupt you successfully. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and yeah, and they can find us uh, at facebook.com slash the contenders pod or on Twitter at, at contenders pod. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I totally, I totally flew off. Of okay, let me start by, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go way back now. This is a way back one. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. All right. Hi, and welcome to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh-uh.